Welcome to another episode of the Success Inspired Podcast. In today's episode, we talk about future planning, productivity through power of simplicity, staying focused, and importance of work ethics. Biggest takeaway from this episode is that it's never too late to change your career to start doing something that really fulfills you. My guest shares his story, how he decided to wrap everything up and go for a two-year travel adventure, traveling through 40 different countries after he had gone through a life-changing experience of going clinically dead during a problematic heart operation. Hello, everybody. My guest today is an online marketing specialist, investor, owner of multiple fitness businesses and consultant to both corporate and private business sector. He has helped generate multi-million dollar revenue to iconic brands in Australia, Asia and Europe. From transforming Australia's biggest brands, getting a Guinness World World Record, which I'll have to ask him about, launching market-first mobile devices in Australia, to pioneering community-based influencer programs, driving up to 500% ROI for Australia's most popular brands in technology, alcohol, and telco space. He has a unique, challenging, and unorthodox approach to finding the sweetest spot where real-world behavior, influence, and digital marketing collide. Please welcome to the show, Andrew Handosa. It's great to have you on the show, Andrew. Thanks, Good to be here, mate. Good to be so, here. Quick question for you. Do you prefer me to call you Dozer or Andrew? Definitely Dozer. Definitely Dozer. Dozer. I'm only Andrew if I'm in trouble. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, looking at your LinkedIn profile, you've done a fair bit of stuff over the years from you know managing brand and marketing for big companies like Telstra and business development for Optus and generating eight-figure revenue. They're all the way to you know, owning a multiple fitness businesses now. What is the one thing that excites you most about when it comes to growing a business? I think it's growing. Like I, I, I'm interested as long as it's a building phase. I like solving new problems. I like looking at different ways to solve problems coming at it from different angles. And I think my background, I, that's why if you sort of look at, if you sort of look at the path of, of where I've come from, it hasn't been a, you know, linear five, 10 years in the, in the exact same, in the, you know, the same line of, of thinking that's sort of jumped around a little bit, but that kind of gives me a different, if I think, you know, in order to solve the problems, because that, that's, that's what we're trying to to solve, solve interesting problems in interesting ways. So do you like go around and like, do you see stuff in other businesses and like think like, hang on a minute, like that, that could be, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm gonna stuff my head in. <laughs> stuff my head in. Oh, I can't. I can't sit there at dinner with my family back when we used to be able to, and not like Michelle's always. Michelle can see my eyes, you know, zoom around the room, and she goes, "You're thinking, aren't you? Like, just leave it. Just drop it. You're not gonna open a restaurant. Like, just, just, you know, stop it." But yeah, it's always something that I'm thinking about. How do, we, how do we? Oh, probably not in an inventor type of way because then I don't kind of disappear. I've got friends who like look at the way, you know, a bin is designed and then we'll spend the next four months in his garage trying to come up with a new type of bin. That's not me, but I'll just look at things and just go, why wouldn't they do it like that? Yeah. And then get frustrated because they haven't done just it. Just get frustrated. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 You're a, you're a natural entrepreneur, right? That's a, that's actually the 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 true attribute of an entrepreneur when we see things and it frustrates us because they could be done so much better and the worst thing is mm. when you're being employed for somebody else and you see those things and 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 like you're you're putting them forward and nothing's happening that's like one of the main drivers <laughs> why people want to go and start their own business right leave yeah totally totally because i, I guess you see the gap and you want to fix it and it's basically like get out of my way, let me fix it. And then you just, and you want to see it fixed and you want to see it start to work. Yeah. You know, I think in, in corporations, which is probably one of the reasons why I left corporate after, you know, all that stuff was just, you know, the, the time between coming up with the idea and then seeing it in market and then seeing the result of that and like, you know, the end user 
mm. enjoying the solution just took way too long you know and a lot of that was just getting through the internal stuff especially the bigger the corporate more more the bloody uh paperwork and red tape and yeah stuff. and look all the corporates wanted to you know just about when i left the corporate world this whole thing of being agile started to come in you know that vernacular of being agile you know agile like I it was almost like yeah it was almost like you know someone at the top just read the book called the lean startup by eric rice which is like you know a bible for most entrepreneurs i haven't heard of that i really recommend yeah i thoroughly recommend it to yourself and any you know entrepreneurs listening to your podcast the lean startup by eric rice Lean uh, as in R-E-I-S or R-I-E-S. It, you know, it, it really sort of heroes the, you know, the path to get things off the ground and minimum viable product and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Anyway, all these corporates, you know, they, they all wanted to be a bit more nimble and be a bit more startup and all this sort of stuff. So they all read this book, you know, and they started to just, and they thought they could just make it work by, by using the same language that's in these books. Unfortunately, it's it's a whole culture shift you know and it's removing probably whole teams that don't need to be there but you people want to you know i guess justify their jobs and so they need to slow things down because they need to put their two cents worth on things and all that kind of stuff anyway that's probably everybody's got everybody's got their agenda eh? <laughs> well i mean yeah i suppose if yeah if, you, if if your job exists to do a certain thing you're pretty much need to make sure it's in your best interest to make sure that job still does that thing otherwise they're not there anymore yeah regardless of whether it adds any value from the inception of the idea to it landing in the market right regardless of whether that the bit that you do actually adds any value along that line the fact that it's there and the fact that you're in that role and the fact that your paycheck relies on it you, you're going to make it you know make sure it seems important yeah now tell me what compelled you to 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 do what you do. Can I sort of categorize it as a digital marketer these days or digital marketer, yeah. I always thought that it should just be called marketing because marketing is just you know, it's it's just it's it's omni channel, I suppose. But um what is the question what got me into marketing? Yeah, let's yeah, let's do that. I've always, I don't know, I've always been kind of interested in brands, Excellent. I suppose. I think I've always been interested in brands and I guess it was kind of originally advertising. It's what I did at university. I was always kind of looking back on things. I was always good at business studies. That was the sort of, that was the subject I did at school that it was probably the only subject I did really well at and actually enjoyed learning about it and went off and did it at university as well. And so I actually did better at university. And I think the reason why is because, you know, universe or like school, I think I've realized along the way that I'm not very good at being uh, told to conform to certain things in a certain way. Mm. And so it's gone into a pretty strict school, which I'm grateful for. You know, I was definitely not a rebel or rebellious, although, you know, my my mum might disagree in terms of how I went at school, but the, the, I think when things changed was when I got to university and someone told me, oh, it was actually my first lecturer. And actually he was the marketing lecturer, which, you know, maybe part of the fate here was, he said, look, no one's forcing you to be, this is not like school, you know, where you have to turn up a certain amount of time, you know, no one's forcing you to be here. And if you want to do shit, you can do shit. That, that's on you. Right. And I think that kind of, I think that, that in, empowerment or that sort of liberation gave me the i guess the freedom to succeed more at, at university and also the fact that you know i'm now in a course amongst other people that would have had to have gotten at least a certain grade i mean it wasn't necessarily a world record you know score but mm. you're amongst peers that would have had to kind of you know achieve a certain grade to be there and i just yeah. wanted to beat them yeah right yeah I would look in these massive lecture halls, hundreds of people, right? And just go, fuck, like there's a lot of people doing this course, like, you know, and I just wanted to beat 90% of them. So you're a, uh, what do you call, um, success oriented person, would you say? Definitely. Like a competitive, um, competitive nature type of thing? 
competitive, competitive, and also I think when I did one of those like you know personality tests or whatever it is, the result that kept coming out was achiever or maximizer. I really struggle there, not being organised for the week ahead. I really struggle not getting to the end of the week and feeling like I've absolutely uh, earned the weekend. Not that right. I not do any. I actually still work on the weekends, but but not in a weird sort of. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not like I'm definitely not sort of one to just let the week happen and whatever it is. I actually have I've developed my own template that I've almost got my team like my my team basically uses it now. Yeah, and it's it's my own template that I sit there on a Saturday on a Sunday morning. And I map out everything. Like I, I write my fantasy story of what I want to achieve, like how I want the week to go. Like, you know, I want to end the week feeling like this, achieving this. This is what I want to achieve this week. And then in order for that to happen, so that sets my intention. And then in order for that to happen, I write my, you know, my top 10 hit list of everything that I need to be, that everything that needs to happen in order for that fantasy story to come true. And I number them and I assign them to different people. And then in a second, I'll actually highlight them color coded based on who's looking after what and then i'll actually assign them to the day that it's going to happen and fridays are known as fuck yeah fridays sorry <laughs> do people do people swear on this podcast anyway I'm a bit that's all right I'll, I'll just put it as yeah. you know explicit episode whatever i'm not too fast <laughs> yeah so this so this so fuck yeah fridays is is a mantra in my companies yeah and and that is kind of the it is an expectation that um, we make sure that we do everything that week to get to Friday and just go, fuck yeah. Like, I love that feeling. And that's why the whole thing's called hashtag FYF. I love um, it. I love it. Now, for those of you listening right now, Dozer showed me his actual a piece of paper where he's got a whole week lined up. He's got a little little template that he just fills up every week. This is really, really cool. Man, if you got anything that, that people can link up to, uh, check up online, you know, to get their hands on this, this is awesome. Yeah. And what I, what I like about it is this pen and paper. Like sometimes we just need to just grab a pen and write it down. I've done it all, mate. I and we're on a bit of a tangent here, but 2015 was. You know, when everyone sets New Year's resolutions and they all want to lose weight or they all want to pick up painting or they all want to climb a mountain somewhere. Yeah. 2015, 2016. I forget which year it was. I wanted to. I wanted, like, I went really deep in productivity. Like, I went fucking deep. And I, I wanted to be able to, like, 5x, 10x my output. And the rule was without spending any more time on doing the things, right? I still wanted to not be an unhinged uh, individual. Yeah. So that whole year, I, like, interviewed engineers. I interviewed productivity specialists. Just, just me, myself, right? Hired coaches read all these books about it and I must have if there was an app on the app store I would have downloaded it and I would have tried it and I would have got rid of it and the only thing left after that whole year I mean that whole year basically transformed how I work and that was last year 2015 or 16 I reckon it was yep yeah and it's all the shit that like corporations they don't teach their staff right and I could I just imagine how much time is wasted and, and output and people's satisfaction and, you know, all that kind of stuff is wasted because people, I don't think people have actually been taught how to work mm. for them. Yeah. So I, I went deep and, and this is kind of, yeah. So I've tried all the digital stuff, man. And I've just gone back to pen and paper and it's the, it's the best way for me in, in this. And I, and I try to look for the best templates. And I couldn't find them, so I just basically made my own. Do you then transfer it to digital? <laughs> no, I don't. I do not. I do you not. Do? I've got different. I've got different pens and highlighters that I use that, that that makes sense to me. And through the week, mate, there's nothing more satisfying there that I get crossing things off that list. Right? Boom, boom. It's like a. Yeah, I love getting to the yeah. I love getting to the end of the week and knowing that I've got all those things done, or not, and then I've got to figure out the next week simplicity i like i love simplicity so the idea that you know you can just grab a pen and paper and just write down it's great but for me what i find is i also like to analyze things and keep a track record and like if i was to do something like that, i would probably then 
you know, put it into some sort of a spreadsheet or something and see how many tasks I've done just so I can, you know, a retrospect on what's being done for the business on what timeframes do you, mm. do you do that? Or do you just, you just take the piece of paper when you're done at the end of the week and you just file it away? So every um, morning I have a bit of a, I have a bit of a, a boot up sequence me myself. Right. And I have a, and I have a shutdown sequence as well. Which might seem, but your listeners might be going, who is this gimp? Like, <laughs> this guy must sound, he sounds like such a loser. No, it's, it's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, I'm trying, like I studied a lot of, you know, the top successful people in the world, sports, business or whatever, and they are very particular about their routines. It's like systems, you know, it's like systems that we have in our businesses. Without them, you're always making these micro decisions, which over time increase what they call cognitive load, right? You're making all these micro decisions, thousands of them a day. And what is half of them you don't need to make because it's just a routine that you've got for yourself that puts you in the best, you know, primes to put you in the best state to do your best work. So yeah. every morning I wake up and I go into meditation, which I got taught uh, a year and a bit ago. And then I go into writing my journal, right? But on a Sunday morning, that journal kind of turns into a bit of a reflection from the week, you know, based on, the stuff that I thought I'd get done, the, my fantasy story, where did I get to by then? And I, and I take a, uh, I take a, I, I, I take stock, I suppose, on how I felt the week went, mm-hmm. areas for improvement, what I learned about myself, or what I learned about the team, or whatever you know it is, and and then basically turn that into next week. And and then the idea in terms of the tracking that that you're talking about, I guess I'm more so tracking towards where I want to go, rather than if it's a percentage completion or anything like that, which I, I do like the idea of. Because like, if we got a big goal, you want to make sure that you're tracking uh, what you've done so that you can make sure that you're on the right, on the right, on the right track. Right. And that's, if, and, that's if you know, so the, then pivot, right. So the, the tracking I, 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 I do more so is looking, is looking forward in terms of, are we further towards like, and, and that's the whole point of the fantasy story is to move us another week forward to hitting those goals. So as if I've hit those things that are part of the fantasy story, mm. then, you know, we are moving towards it. It's probably more of a proactive dashboard than a reactive dashboard. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and for those of you guys listening, for me, the bigger takeaway, takeaway point out of what you just said is, you know, um, you, you're listening to, you know, Doza speak. He's been, you know, very successful in what he does and he's not using any fancy software. He's just using a pen and paper. So for anybody listening out there thinking, you know, oh, man, these people, they're, they're using these, you know, million dollar systems, you know, AI, and, 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 systems, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. You don't need it. You just start with pen and paper, have that clear to clear simplicity, something in front of you or in front of you for the whole week. So you don't get, you know, distracted. Cause the other thing is if you're using too you're many right. systems, you just keep clicking from, you know, from your tabs and between the calendar and, and bloody to do this and whatnot. And you just get and you actually, notifications are constantly popping up throughout the day. I turn everything off. I'm pretty much in, um, what's that little half moon called? Um, do not disturb. I'm pretty much on do not disturb and I've limited my screen time too, Vic. So none of my, I can't use any of my apps pretty much until I hit about nine o'clock or 10 o'clock in the morning. And by then I know that I've done my, my heavy lifting, like the hardest stuff that I needed to do that day. Cause I set oh, yeah. the top five the night before. And then only then am I able to access, you know, the Instagram and all that sort of stuff, which are, I mean, I'm not on there that much. But mate, the biggest tip that I would say to people is like, have a bit of self-awareness about how and when you work your best and when you get your best work done and what environment that needs to be. And mm. instead of like fighting against it, flow with it and actually stack the deck, like rig the game, rig it. Like rig the game in your favor create your unfair advantage by having the environment that you seem to work best in and aligning the type of work to when you seem to do that type of work, I suppose, best. Mm. Some people, they're nine hours and do they can work till two o'clock in the morning. I can't. Like I'm in bed by eight, eight thirty. 
but I'm up at 4, 4.30 every morning and ready to go. Your body's a temple and you got to treat it, right? Otherwise, how how you expect to be productive? You know, you got to get, get some sleep, you got to exercise. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree. Mm. And I like what you said, like doing stuff in the morning, like your 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 stuff that you want to get done before you get before you get all the outside world, like, you know, asking you for stuff. Like I, I like to wake up like 5 a.m. and then get my shit done because I know everybody else is sleeping. And then it comes to around like 8 a.m., 9 a.m. I start to get all the you know, bing, 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 all the messages. And even though you might say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll check it later. Just because you heard it doesn't mean it didn't distract you. It did. Okay. So, so let me tell you about this. This is when I found this out when I went real deep that year, right? It's, it's called flow. So, we, you know, when you get into the zone, whatever it's, you know, that's what I think people say, like you get into the zone and you're finding yourself working a certain way and you're working on a project and, and there's actually a scientific, there's an equation for what they call flow. And flow is when you get into this zone of, of mate, you're loving what you're doing and time just goes by and it feels like you've been doing it for 20 minutes and actually it's been three hours. And it might have been you setting up this podcast, might be me working on a new project or, you know, when I'm out at the barbecue, which is my big hobby at the moment. It's called flow. And for flow to happen, they've actually kind of tracked. You've got to be, I think, 20% outside of what your current, you know, limitations are. But then it's that little stretch. That little stretch is actually really healthy for you. And so when everyone talks about just getting outside your comfort zone, it, that's not just an Instagram feel-good, you know, quote. That, that's a real thing you know, stretching outside your comfort zone and, that, and just that little layer of learning, you get into this thing called flow and that's when you are working at your optimum kind of ability and capability. Now, if you get distracted when you're in flow, mm. which I know people working from home at the moment, we're in the middle of the pandemic, it, you know, that's the thing that tips me off. If I've, my wife or my kids walk through that door, uh, yeah. I'll lose it. <laughs> I'll lose it because I'm in flow and if you get distracted, you're in flow. It could take anywhere between 20 to 40 minutes to get back into the flow of what you're doing. So you're right. If you're busting between different tabs and your, you know, command tab and you're going through here, you're going through there and you're like, shit, where did I leave that? And there's one of these tabs is playing music and I don't know which one it is, right? It, you're just wasting your time, right? Yeah. I think they added up. I think they added up, you know, the, 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 with all the distractions, the, the typical corporate worker with all their distractions throughout the normal day mm. loses 16 weeks a year to distractions. 16 weeks. One six, right? Which basically means that imagine we all turn up to work on New Year's Day or the day after and we all look at each other and go, rightio, we're not doing anything till April. Far out. That's crazy. Where's the number from? Think about it. Well, it's basically like how long it takes for all these distractions to happen and yeah. extra, extrapolate it out. I'm talking about the meetings, the coffee chats, the water coolers, people walking up to your desk, this whole open plan work. Like, I think we're all going to realize. Oh, yeah. Mate, I, I, this is, right. you just bring a really good point. I, I went to one of the co-working spaces here in Canberra. I was looking at, you know, with this podcast originally, you know, like I really want to do this face-to-face. So I was like, okay. I'm going to look up some good podcasting, you know, some good sound quality room and a lot of these spaces, they have it. And while I was there, you know, I took a one day trial just to work from there as well. I thought, well, you know what, if, if I sign up to use their you know, audio room to record my podcast, I might as well just sign up to be a member and do my work from here. Thinking, you know, I just sort of double up and, 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 but just working there one day, being in an open space, you know, even though I had my headphones on, so I couldn't hear others um, there, but I could still see them. I still see it, man. Like, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I've, I've worked at two of probably Sydney's biggest, most, I guess, you know, leading co-working spaces. And yeah, look, my, 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 my take on all that kind of stuff, man, it's probably a bit controversial in terms of, you know, working and people working and the attitudes towards work and, you know, burnout and stress and stuff like that. I'm, I'm probably a bit, you're probably not going to get a lot of sympathy from me. Mm. Uh, not because I'm a hard ass, not, not by any stretch, but I guess it's because I've found what I love. Yeah. Right. And I just want to keep going. Right. So 
put me into a plan office with the bean bags and the ping pong tables going off. And I just want to, like, it was fun, but I just want to get some freaking work done, to be honest. Yeah, because you're passionate about succeeding and getting shit done. Actually, yeah, <laughs> your, your LinkedIn profile explains it really, really well. Uh, what, what you got on the banner. <laughs> get What's shit done. It says get, get shit, shit done. done. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it says make yeah. shit happen. That's right. <laughs> make shit happen. There you go. That's right, so awesome. Now, well, do you know me. why? There? Because yes. we're sorry. And I know this is right. turn into a bit of a productivity podcast, but that's all right. <laughs> you got, I'm sure you've got lots of more smarter people than me on the podcast, but everybody brings their story. I, like, we've got the same 24 hours in the day that all these history makers have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, all these history makers, whether it's like the Da Vinci dude that painted the, the Sistine Chapel or Mother. Teresa, who was a ninja salesperson, right? But, you know, not, she was a she was a gangster, oh, like okay. in terms of like how good she was at fundraising, right? Like she was, oh, she okay, was, yeah, yeah, um, just um, unbelievable, right? And the world needed her. But all these people that made all this history, twenty four hours in the day, same length of time as we do, right? So why the freak haven't we made history yet? Yeah, makes it happen. And and those people were like, you know, like we we live in 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 these days in a world where everything is like you got all these great tools for productivity. They didn't even have them, so what the mm. hell, right? Yeah, absolutely, great, that's, that's great why example. Don't have a complicated. So back to back to your history, your your you know professional history. Which hurdles did you did you have to overcome um, to get to where you're now? To be honest, it's probably a lot more about self-awareness. Like I'm really big on self-awareness. Um, I'm really big on self-awareness. It probably took me about 34 years bit to figure out who I was. Mm. And I don't mean that in terms of a, I don't mean that in terms of a hippie kind of way. I'm talking about, I'm talking about this whole time I thought that, you know, work is really not for me or, is this about as good as it's going to get? Or, you know, just trying to, trying to sort of fit into all these types of workplaces and all these types of roles. It's just, it just wasn't me. Like, and I just thought I was not very good at things. Right? Self-doubt. Self-doubt, but also like you just kind of think to yourself, I don't know, I just think that the way, the way a lot of corporations and, and you know, I think things are changing now. Like things are definitely changing now, but it's been, I don't know, seven years since I've been back in the, you know, had a real job. I, I think it, it suits a certain type of personality or worker. And unless you're one of those, you kind of makes you feel a little bit like you don't belong in a certain way. Mm. So I think that in terms of a limitation, it would just be more so about the fact that I guess I kept trying to suppress you know, trying to be different or, or it wasn't trying to be different. It was just trying to be me, you know, and finding that flow, that, 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 that zone, that intersection of what I, what I, what seems to really light me up. And, and, you know, uh, I, I struggled working under certain CEOs that I worked under because of the, of the same thing you mentioned at the start of the podcast, when yeah. you keep coming up with these ideas and you wanted to execute things and all that kind of stuff. And, it just felt like you had a bit of a, you know, something. Sort of keep getting you. shut down type of thing. Just keep getting shut down or, you know, whatever. I was probably a terrible person to manage. <laughs> I was probably a terrible person to manage at the time. I think now someone would probably go, God, that's the kind of, that's the kind of, that's the kind of drive we need in this business. Yeah. I'm very, yeah. But I guess, I guess um, if I sort of think about corporate, I guess, too many changes too quickly. I mean, everything costs money, right? So if they're trying to implement one thing and, they, and they, it took them, you know, a month to put, put together and somebody comes up and say, look, why don't you do it different? Maybe, maybe that's why maybe the corporates don't move so quickly because it's such a large scale organization that to do any change, it's costing a lot more time and effort and money, right? So maybe there, the maybe. economics come into play. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? Maybe, <laughs> yeah. So what are you doing these days? So you're not you're not working in the corporate world anymore. You mentioned seven years has been since you've been in sort of working for somebody else. So, I mean, I know what you're doing these days, but you know, just for the listeners, what what have you been up to, mate? Yeah. So we about five or six years ago, um, 
my, you know, one of my best mates from school, kind of both independent, like he was working for a big bank and, you know, a global role. And I was, I just got home pretty much from doing a big two year adventure. We traveled for two years, my wife and myself. Yeah. After, uh, it was a travel adventure. It definitely was, but it was, it was a bit more of a, oh, okay. Do you want to hear the story? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we all want to hear it now. <laughs> 2011, start of 2011, I woke up at about two o'clock in the morning and I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah, right. Right. My chest was about to explode, the only way I could really describe it. And when they took me to the hospital and they plugged me up to all the machines, my heart rate was 197 and Holy I was shit. down. That's almost yeah, 100%. And it, was, and it was erratic. It was rapid and it was irregular, right? So long story short, they had to, uh, the medication wasn't working. So they had to, uh, they had to put me under um, sedation and perform a bit of a heart operation on me, right? Yeah, right. And it didn't go that well and i actually flatlined holy um, shit and so when i got out of that like eventually they kind of got me back and they took me back to the room but i still wasn't i still wasn't waking up you know mm. and they were getting quite worried because all my vital levels started to drop and mm -hmm. they this is what they told me. This is what Michelle told me because I obviously was there, but not there, there. So they, they pressed a big button in my room, which was all available nurses and doctors. And they just came rushing into the ward. And the thing that kind of gets me every time, and I still come from sometimes I like choke up, you know, talking about it was because, you know, there was all the nurses and doctors came into the room and all the commotion, and Michelle was saying that they had the little torch and they were yelling at me and opening up my eyes and flashing the torches and shouting at me and slapping me and like trying to wake me up. And then eventually the only reason why, like what, what worked, anything that worked, and this is the story that Michelle tells me and the doctors have verified it, was yep. when Michelle started talking to, was when Michelle started talking to me. Wow. And that sort of pulled me out. She was the only one there from families or friends or whatever. She was the only one there, which would have been absolutely, you know, hard wrenching for her to see this sort of happen right in front of her and basically when i came good and just kept hearing like the beeping of the the heart rate monitor behind me when i kind of woke up i said to michelle you know we had been planning this trip for eight years we've been together for 20 years this year right we've, congratulations we've been planning thank you we've been planning this trip for eight years and I said to her, when I got up, I said to her, tomorrow, I want you to bring those, I want you to bring those, all the brochures that we've been looking at for this, for this big trip. Because it was always just like, you know, one day, one day, one day. Well, when I woke up that fucking day, I thought to myself, fuck, I've got a second chance here. You know, when they showed me the strip, when my heart rate, and when, when my heart stopped. That's a proper life-changing experience, isn't it? Yeah, I saw that strip and I was like, that's my fucking ticket out of here. We're going. So I said, bring those things in tomorrow and we're going to actually plan that thing. So 2011. So then 2011, after I got cleared by a medical team, like I had cardiologists, GPs, you know, everyone that had to give me the tick of approval. Mm. Christmas Eve 2011, all the families were at the airport and we said goodbye to everyone. We jumped on a plane and started our adventure, man. And so we just kept going, just kept going, just kept going. And I'm actually in the room where like we've, I was, you know, kind of into photography. So yeah, yeah. Machu Picchu, like we've just, you know, all, we went to 40 different countries, including your country, like a, a couple of times. And yeah, I guess, I mean, that's probably a whole other podcast, what, you know, stuff that happened on that trip. But when we got home, I just had this incredible sense of, I wasn't going to go back to doing what I was doing because A, I didn't love it. And B, like, there's no fucking way I was going to take the second chance that I felt like I had at life mm. and waste it away just 
coming up with new brands of dog biscuits for the rest of my life, you know, or what other client I was kind of working for. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to do stuff that I was good at and that the world needed a little bit more of and that I could make money from as well. Like I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, shy about the fact that I enjoy, you know, building commercial ideas. Right. So my business partner at the time as well, he came home from working overseas and he was just, he was just over, you know, the banking life and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we were both sitting down there for a coffee and, and he said, oh, come on. Is this something that I've been looking at? And he was like, it's completely different though. It's it's actually in fitness. And before he even said it, I said, F45. <laughs> and he goes, how the fuck did you know that? And I went, because I've been looking at it as well. I've been looking at it as well. When I was back in London, mm. I was doing CrossFit. And I just saw all this like, this thing called a community, which is such a word that gets thrown around now. But this community come together. And I... I thought this, you know, something that, you know, and the, and, and the F45 thing was something that I've been looking at for a while. And so, you know, when, when we went home and told our respective wives that we bought a gym that day. Oh, wow. They thought, you jumped straight they in. We straight were, in. They <laughs> thought we were friggin' mental, man. <laughs> and they still do. And they still do. And we had no idea. And I mean, no idea. Like no prior, no prior background in fitness industry sort of thing. Other than enjoying a bit of CrossFit, obviously. Yeah, no. (laughs) Zero, man. Zero. And I used to think that was, like, in hindsight, this could be an art as well, but in hindsight, I used to, you know, I used to worry and I used to think that was like we were at a massive, massive disadvantage. Mm. But, you know, when you join the dots up after it sort of happens, you know, I'm I'm convinced that the fact that we weren't from the fitness industry, um, which I don't think, and this, again, is a little bit controversial, mate, can edit this out if you want to, but I think the I think the fitness industry actually I think you're on our both both agree on this. I think the fitness industry as a whole, in terms of the operators and the practitioners inside, it's not very impressive, right? It's not very impressive, and I'm talking about compared to, you know, professionals that I used to work with, right? Mm. Because you know the entry point into the fitness world is not a four or five year degree. It's a you can get a cert three from, you know the back of a cereal box sometimes and Instagram's free to set up. If you've got a good body, boom, all of a sudden you're an on, you're an online PT, right? Uh, yeah. Like you could, you compare what you do, right? And I know how, I know how deep you go with bit fit and trainer eyes and how much effort you put into your stuff. Right. But if someone puts you into that box over an online PT, it's the same as some 19 year old that just got a cert three and maybe yeah. a cert four. Instagram's free, jump on a, white labeled platform mate you're online pt as well you're in the same box that's kind of unfair but so so we got you know a little way into the first year and we were doing okay but we thought to ourselves there was no way that we're going to make this thing what it wants to be or what we want it to be without actually putting our spin on things and i think we realized you know why are we spending all this time trying to be like another gym because people freaking hate gyms Mm. so so we kind of about a year about a year into it made this decision to um and this is back to my branding stuff to become the anti-gym per se and everything that we did was like you wouldn't expect it you wouldn't expect it from a gym right and and look six six years on now a lot of it's become the new norm for some boutique studios but we were doing like trivia nights we were doing pub crawls we were doing you know our pricing model our contract terms was and i don't mean like no contract because i think that's horseshit I think it's a false economy that we've made on ourselves. But yeah, we just started to sort of treat people a certain way as well. And mm. the, the primary principle, well, we've got two primary principles to everything that we do. The first thing is people care about being cared about. And that flowed th- through everything we did. And the second principle was we had a no dickhead policy. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And, and it's kind of worked. And along the way, we've won a bunch of awards and been flown out to different places to to you know show others how to do it and 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 that's sort of stemmed into into what I'm really um, what I really enjoy at the moment is is a, a separate company called Geronimo Ventures dot com which 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 does just that like it it you know the, the 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 number one role I think of any business owner needs to be sales and marketing mm. right 
And you could you could try and convince me otherwise. I know there's different functions of the business and there's product and there's customer service and this, that, and the other. But to be honest, as the owner, you can hire people to do that. As the owner, your number one responsibility is making sure there's money coming in the door. And that's yeah. sales and marketing. And, and primarily sales. Problem is, a lot of people that start fitness businesses, right? Uh, technicians. You know, um, technicians, exactly. They're practitioners, right? So yeah. they're really good at doing the thing that they wanted to do for the rest of their they life. They know Probably gazillion is. things about exercise and everything about fitness, Mate, but like and everything between else. Between a conventional deadlift and a Romanian deadlift, they know it all, right? Yeah. But the problem is, as soon as you get that key to that front door, you're now a freaking business owner and you've got to do all this shit that they don't enjoy. They don't enjoy to do. They're not good at it. And so it takes them off the floor on, on, on doing that stuff that they really enjoy doing. The problem is, they spend the rest of their life thinking they're no good at this, mm. right? So, so that's what that's what we're there to do. We're we're there we're there to help these studio owners, and and we'll end up being small businesses because I I, mean, I believe in small business. I'm a small business. I, I'm a I I'm a small business advocate. You know, eighty percent like the backbone of the Australian economy and most economies is the small business, but they're all technicians. Yeah, they're all technicians, right? And yeah, so we want to make sure that we can help these people, these people succeed and grow. We want to be the number one, you know, outsourced marketing service to for, to grow studios uh, who don't have the time, they don't have the talent, and they don't have the money uh, to make that happen. So they can spend more time doing what they fucking love, yeah, and just feel liberated knowing that they can still have a booming business as well as spend 90% of the time doing what they enjoy. Because at the moment, they've got to choose. Do you, yeah. want a, do you want a booming business or do you actually want to enjoy it? And that's the reality. Now, if I can add to that, I can definitely relate to, you know, me, you know I've been running my own business since 2010, like fitness business and did lots of things, but started as a personal trainer, but very quickly realized, you know, like you got to do your own, like you said, your marketing and all that. For me, luckily, I'm very passionate about all the other things and all the other hits. But it is changing the heads, and you're not going to be good at all the flick. Like you're not going to be good at wearing all the heads. It's not like you're going to start a business and you're going to get this nice collection of heads in the box that all perfectly fit on your head, right? So we all need help at one area or other in running our business, and and if especially at the starting phase when you're starting a new business, definitely seek help. And what you just said, you know, perfect example. Now. I know you, you've got yoga coming soon in five minutes or something. You're doing a bit of yoga thing? Oh, no. I've just, I've just told them that I'll be a little bit late. It's meditation. It's oh, sorry. Important. Meditation. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> now, I'm going to go into the end of it. We'll give a bit of space, you know, just get to people, find out and get to know a bit more about how they can find out about what you do. But just a couple of other questions I'd like to find out from you is tell me something that's, that's true that almost nobody else agrees with you on. I love that. When I read that question in the prep, I loved it because for me, it's work-life balance. Mm. I don't think that's very helpful as a concept. And and I think, so controversial, I think you asked for controversy. I'll give you a bit of controversy. Yeah, yeah. go for it, mate. I, I think, you know, conventional wisdom it's fine if you just want to be conventional. Right. See, the thing is, right. this is success-inspired podcast, and if everybody had the same same way of, of, of thought, same brain of thought, the episodes would get boring. <laughs> so go for it, mate. Controversial. I, I just, I, well, I just don't think it's very helpful advice. Work-life balance. What is that? Does that mean if I work 40 hours, I need to have 40 hours worth of Netflix? And I think, I think we, I think there are some things that society has demonized that it's actually a good thing pressure stress accountability those things we should be grateful that we have some pressure in our life because that means someone believes in us 100 and it's time for you to do something great it's not something we should shy away from like stress 
my God, I'm stressed. Good, let's go. Like that's a fire burning inside you, telling you the world's waiting for you to do something great with that, mm. right? Now, I think, I think there's survival stress that no one needs, like, can I pay the fucking bill at the end of the week? Can I pay, you know, the rent or the mortgage? I think there's some, and particularly now, like we're in the pen, in the, you know, five weeks, six weeks ago when the, when the government shut us all down, you know, I definitely saw the difference between, because I, I saw it as a business owner, but I also saw it as a, you know, in, in Geronimo, we obviously deal with a lot of fitness studio owners. And yeah. I could see the difference in how people reacted to that external stress, right? They either, you know, you saw people at the supermarket panic buy and get all the toilet paper and just turn into absolute idiots. But you get people who, who will come out of this pandemic and they're going to be, it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to them. Mm. from a success perspective, okay? Like now's the time to strike on a lot of things. And I just, I find that super interesting. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of stress there. I'm a big fan of pressure and I'm a big fan of, of, and I don't believe in burnout, right? And that might be, that's, you know, some people might listen to that and go, this guy's a complete knob. But I think you only burn out if you, if, if you fall out of love with what, you, with what you're doing. Yeah. And if that's the case, then address that. Don't blame it on the work. Change it. Like, Do work, something different. Yeah. Work, work, mate, like t- talent is, talent will only get you so far. The rest of it is work, hard work. And I know how much of a hard worker you are, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't even have this thing set up because no one's paying you to do this, right? So I you're doing watching Netflix. You do that. Mate, you could be watching Netflix. You could be trying to figure out who the fuck killed Carol Baskin. <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> Did she kill a? Did she kill her husband? Um, you know. So, and the same thing in the in 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 the studios, man. If someone comes up to me and tells me that they don't have time to train, oh, I really struggle with that objection because mm. I just know where I come from, right? And my work ethic—it's like that single parent work ethic that I've, I'm not a single parent. I'm blessed to have you know a beautiful, healthy family. But I remember when my mum, you know, was pretty much a single parent of of two rowdy boys. The earliest memories I had of what we now know it as work ethic was I used to remember hearing the, I used to wake up to the sound of the car being started, you know, in the garage and then seeing my mum drive off, you know, to the headlights kind of, you know, reverse down the driveway and then drive off. And just like the engine noise just kind of fade out as she gets into the distance. And I know she's going to the station to jump on the train to get to her first job, right? As a waitress. This is like a not really English speaking Im- immigrant. What's your what's your background, uh, Doza? Sorry, mate. So my mummy's Chinese Indonesian and my dad was Egyptian born Spanish background. Oh, cool. I was always wondering where's your background. Cool. Yeah, go, yeah. Go, go, continue married, your story, mate. And I'm, and, and I married a Malteser, so my kids look like bloody Moana. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and that for me, I just remember it was, I didn't know what time it was, but I just knew it was pitch black. Yeah. Right? And I knew how hard my mum worked because she promised, you know, she promised my father that, you know, she would give us the best education to, to give us the best chance of success, success at life. And, you know, she worked, mate, I couldn't even tell you how many jobs she worked just to put myself and my brother through, you know, a private school and just to make all those decisions and sacrifices and stuff like that. So that for me is when I get up in the morning and it's pitch black, as a bit of a nod to what my mum sacrificed for us. And I start getting to work. And like you said, by the time it gets to nine o'clock, people are just rolling up to their desk and going, right, here we go. Let's, you know, fire off the first email. But I've already been gone for four hours. Mm. Right. And I'll train that day. And I'll meditate and I'll spend time with the kids. And look, I'm grateful for all of it, but don't tell me it's because of luck either. Oh, I hate when people say lucky. Awesome story, mate. I definitely agree with that. Like hard work is is something that we need to we need to sometimes we need to be put in a situation to really sort of trigger that, right? Um put us oh, under a little like, bit of stress. That, that's- uh, only a little bit like move towards pressure, move towards stress. And like my, my, my captains at the studio, so I love to bits and not because one day they might hear this, but genuinely like when I write in my gratitude journal every morning, 
you know, three things that I'm grateful for. There's probably not a day that goes by where I write down, you know, my team. And, and I actually will sort of name them as well because I am I'm so fucking grateful for them. That's awesome. You know, and I know we all, and I know we all have times where things feel like they're getting out of control and stuff like that. Like, I definitely think there's like unproductive stress, you know, mm. not, not planning for things, you know, I think there's unproductive stress, like turning up to the airport and realizing, shit, I'm 20 minutes late for this plane. Like that is stupid stress. Like you're stupid. You should have actually planned for that and got the earlier bus, right? That's, yeah. that's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is, yeah, when it comes to whether you're an athlete or whether you're in business or whether you're, you're an employee and, and you're in a role that requires you to be of a certain standard and that pressure, that stress, move towards it. 100%. I can definitely relate. Like for myself, like my, my own journey with, with stress and, and productivity was probably the biggest when, you know, when I arrived to Australia in 2010. My first six years, roughly, being in Australia, I was on a student visa. So you're talking about no, no, no support network, like no family. You know, you you come to a country, nobody knows you. Uh, you come to a country where everybody's got a maid and and they've got their own circles, and you don't. And you're just trying yeah. to get by, and you got to like you got the restrictions with how long can you work, and you got to pay for your school every every term right. and you're going to pay for your visa and, and the uncertainty and all that, like not knowing what, what is it yes. all for? Like, is it going to lead somewhere? Am I going to get to stay here? Am I going to build, build my career, my future, whatnot? Just not knowing and all that. But I don't know, for some reason it sort of drive me. I felt like, like a, I felt like a bit of a warrior in a, in a, you know, different man's land. And I just right, kept pushing, right. mate. I just kept pushing. Like I can, I can, def- like sometimes I, I, I think that I've gotten a little bit lazy. Like when I go and think in retrospect, in the situation where mm. I was before, I feel like I was working a lot. Like I was running this bootcamp business, right? And I would have, you know, PT clients through the day and then the evening and mornings, I would go to different locations in, in Sydney in two different parks, right? And I would put 15 meter sisal rope on my right shoulder, big bag of boxing gloves in my, my, my other, across my other shoulder. And then, and in my left hand, I would carry a big trolley full of you know, other fitness equipment. And I would walk on a footpath from like Chinatown all across towards Observatory Hill at 5 p.m. Wow. when all the, all the corporates are like, you know, going home. And on the traffic lights, on the pedestrian lights, and like stopping, like waiting for the green, people are like, ask me, where are you going? And I'm like, pulled that freaking flyer from a, from a little hole that I had installed my, on my wow. backpack. And I just handed out flyers at the same time, like, mate, going to the boot camp. And I was like, so excited. <laughs> I love it. Like the amount of stuff that I did. And then in the evening, I would go and do some hospitality stuff. But yeah, I can definitely, like sometimes I reflect back, like how much I was like grinding and like hard work and just getting through it, just being able to yeah, so pay for my bills. And- exactly. And, and, and that's what we're finding now is that the, is that the number one predictor of success is not talent. It's not money. It's not, it's not even who you know. That all helps, but it's a four-letter word, and it starts with G. Do you know what it is? Uh, grit. It's grit. Oh, grit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Grit. So it's 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 basically, you know, perseverance over time, and that and that's what it is. So it's over time, right? That's the that's the big factor. It's like compounding interest in the in the in the share market, right? Mm. It's 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 over time is the compound interest is, and that's why personal development, which I know what this podcast is about as well. Personal about personal development is like the number one investment you can make in your soul, which, which is like compound interest mm. in the financial market, but it's in yourself. It compounds over time. So no, you know, reading. So one of my things every day is to read 10 pages of a book and you might get 10 pages. God, come on, mate. Like that's half a chapter. Well, 10 pages times, you know, every day of the year, that's like 50 books, man. Plus, yeah. the other thing is sometimes you read the book and you're trying to smash through three chapters at once. But how, how much do you remember after reading three chapters? You're better off reading yeah, exactly. a little 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 snapshot, do the Pomodoro technique, right? Just spend 20 minutes only. Yeah, and then you remember a lot more out of it. And then you can yeah, spend the rest of the day yeah, thinking about what you read and then how you can apply those learnings. And I have to um, – and if, if you look at the way I look at read my books as well. I've got, you know, highlighters all through that. I'm, I'm old school a bit with the books as well, man. Like I, you know, the hard copy books and, and cause I just, 
I don't know. Just the tangible aspect of it, I think I prefer. Yeah, there's something to it. Although, so yeah, it's a treat for me because. Uh, wrap it uh, up. Yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah. Oh no, I was just gonna say to so to to like to to refine the answer to that very good question of what was your question? So look, what what do you believe that you know other people may not is is work life balance or this thing about like you know stress less or. Oh, you know, I know, I know you've got to find what works for you. Mental health, you know, is a big deal as 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 well. That's super important. But mm. is you know, pressure is not a bad thing. That means someone believes in you, and it's time to do something great. Yeah, we should be grateful for it. Absolutely. Now, with that, we're at fifty-eight minutes, mate. It's been a, a well-spent fifty-eight minutes of time, and I'm listening to your story. Stuff that I actually didn't know about. Pretty, pretty. Not many people stuff. do, mate. Not many people do. You know, when you talked about that flatline, you just remember. I just remember that movie, The Flatline. That's the other day I watched it on Netflix. Actually, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. What a, that that that's what we call like a true life changing moment, right? That's that's what had to happen in your life to to make a big shift. And I mean, who, who, imagine like who knows where you'd be if that didn't happen? Like, would you still be in that corporate world and like? be yes. miserable unhappy yes. and yes. have a big beer belly yes and i'm yes and i never i've still i've got the beer belly but i've never <laughs> wanted i never wanted to be that dad who you know came home exhausted you know whinging about work and just being you know just being a victim you yeah. know the stories that he would tell himself, it's too old, I can't start something new or I can't do this or I've been doing this for so long, I don't know anything else. I used to have like early memories of when I was back at Telstra of, of working around some really great people. But every time that was a restructure, which is basically every Wednesday, because it was just, that's just, you know, big corporate, you could see the fear in their eyes, Vit. Like the fear in their eyes was like, just watching it was called my, just watching them was almost like, what are you doing? Like. You just get so angry. I used to get so like, would never tell them. I used to get so angry. Like just look at them, just going, you created this problem, man. Like you got to be in control. You're not in control. I never wanted to be that person who just was just like that for the rest of my life and just a marketing manager for the rest of my life. Not to, you know, no distant those that have chosen that path, but as, I guess those that listen to this podcast probably aren't those people. And so when that happened and I had a second chance at life, I thought, trap yourselves in. I'm going for a ride. Mate, that's a true inspiration. That's what we're all about. Success inspired. This is why I've created this podcast. Anybody listening to this podcast right now, this is why, you know, I'm so excited to have, you know, people like you sharing that story and uh, and then you guys listening to it and, you know, and, and hopefully getting inspired out of it, getting that excitement and doing something new, something different that you haven't tried and, and you know, and be more successful. Right? It's, been, it's been a pleasure to have you on the, on the episode. You've got a lot of value that you can give to people from your experiences and from what you do. Right now with Journey Ventures, you can obviously provide a lot of value specifically to F45 Studios. So anybody out there listening that you own F45 Studio or if you if you know somebody else that owns F45 Studio and is you know doing quite all right, but it could do a lot better, how can people find you, Doza? Probably just go to www.geronimoventures.com. It's mm-hmm. probably the easiest place to go and yeah you can find me on there yeah awesome i'll be, awesome, to, I'll be sure to put it in the show notes and do you have anything like a, a free type of offer that you'd like to i know i know you don't you hate the word free but do you have anything that if people want to like check out your stuff like maybe an article on your website or something yeah yeah jump on the website there's there's some stuff there mate drop drop in a um if anyone wants to have a quick chat, I'm, I'm always up for having a chat, particularly now when we're all bloody working from home. I'm getting a bit lonely. So, you know, www.calendly.com forward slash D-O-Z-A. That's my calendar. Why don't you book in a time and I'll uh, have a chat. Make sure you've got a good story too. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'll be sure to put all this into the show notes. It's yeah. been great, mate. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, you have a great rest of your day, mate. Enjoy the you meditation. Too, man. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. All right. Talk during the week. Awesome. Have a good one, mate. And that's a wrap. You've just listened to episode nine of the Success Inspired Podcast. 
In the next episode, I'm talking to a transition coach and mentor who helps young professionals and business owners find direction, set up worthy goals, and make quantum leaps in their business or career. We talk about how our environment conditions our decisions, and we also talk about the extreme importance of investing in ourselves in order to succeed in any area of our life. To get notified about all the upcoming episodes, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you want to help me extend the reach of this show to more people, simply write and review the show on Apple Podcasts. I'm also on Podchaser and pretty much all the other um, platforms where the podcasts are. Now, have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening and I'll speak to you next week.